back, everyone. This is the Changelog, where our member support a blog and podcast that covers what's fresh and what's new in open source. You can check out the blog at thechangelog.com and our past shows at 5x5.tv slash changelog. I mentioned this just before the show started, but if you're listening live or you're listening on the podcast, you can go to uh, 5x5.tv slash changelog slash latest to kind of catch up on some show notes while the show is going on. Um, this show is hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, as well as Andrew Thorpe, but today Andrew won't be joining me because... He is flying back from the Aloha State, so he was on vacation. But uh, you can tune into the show live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time right here at 5 by 5 And this is episode number 93, and today we're joined by Phil LaPierre. He is a product designer, and, uh, product designer at ThoughtBot and the creator as well as maintainer of Bourbon, which is a simple and lightweight mix-in library for SaaS. So, Phil, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. That's uh, quite a little intro I just did there, man. I don't think I've ever done one that long before. Yeah, not, well, not really I, big uh, and long intros. <laughs> I feel welcomed. <laughs> well, it's um, you know, I've been a fan of uh, of Thoughtbot for one, and and the work you've been doing with Bourbon. So I thought now's a good time since Andrew can't make the show. You know, why not uh, play on the side of the fence that I kind of thrive at a bit more. You know, I have fun when we do this show and we talk a bit more dev speak, which is always enlightening for me, but. Uh, let's let's face it. I'm I'm still learning to be a true hacker, so I just uh, I'm always playing uh, catch up when it comes to that kind of chat. But I figured, hey, SaaS, right? Design yeah. SaaS, uh, product design, a lot of fun stuff you do there at Thoughtbot. So yeah, I mean, Thoughtbot's a great place to work, and uh, I do uh, product design here. So what that entails um, for us, our role is actually it's kind of a, a, a weird role, I think, than maybe traditional product designer might have at um, another. Uh, tech startup, but we do um, design as well as front-end development, so writing uh, HTML and CSS and uh, SAS for that matter, and um, we also write JavaScript when, when the time calls for it, but usually any kind of really heavy JavaScript, we, we leave to the developers here. You mean on the design on the product design side, right? Oh uh, yeah, product design side. So like like Backbone, for instance, we've done a bunch of Backbone apps. Like that's all developer heavy stuff. So um, I don't I don't necessarily touch a ton of Backbone code, besides like view specific stuff. Um, but yeah, cool. So for the uninitiated, not so much on Thoughtbot, but uh, more specifically yourself, um, what's a good introduction for you for those who don't know who you are? Um, well, good introduction for me. Um, I would call myself a hacker, a designer, um, always kind of interested in tinkering with code, um, making things look pretty, work pretty, um, you know, making things usable, um, on the web. Um, so just a designer by, tr- by day and, uh, I don't know, cool guy by night. <laughs> Nice. So how long have you been working at ThoughtBot? That's, uh, that's what I, w- I haven't caught up on that yet. Yeah, so I've been here uh, coming up on three years this summer. Wow. Yep. June st- June or was it uh, July start date? Uh, July, late July. That's that's uh, a good start date for a lot of people. I like starting new things in the summertime. I don't know about you. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's been awesome, and, and I'm here in the Boston office. Um, and Boston's like such a beautiful city to live in. Yeah. Uh, the summers here are just absolutely phenomenal. And when you say Boston, you say that because not only do you have the Boston office, but you also have San Francisco, and I believe, don't you have one in Europe now, too? Yeah, we've got one in Stockholm. 
Wow, um, man. Yeah, so we opened the Boston office last year, or sorry, the San Francisco office last year. Um, Stockholm, I think, came after that. And we opened up a Denver office, uh, or sorry, Boulder office, um, I think this past winter. So when are you guys going to Austin or uh, <laughs> Houston for that matter, I guess? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Good question. Um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to see how fast uh, we've sort of been growing in, in various cities. And it's, only, it's, it's been good to see the support by the tech community um, for us there. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's really cool. And for those who are really interested in uh, the history of ThoughtBot, I am planning to get Chad Pytel, the founder of ThoughtBot, on Founders Talk soon. So for those who listen to Founders Talk as well as the Changelog, stay tuned for that episode. I'll definitely announce uh, announce that. I can't wait to talk to Chad. I've talked to Chad a couple of times at different Ruby and Rails meetups, everything from like RailsConf to Lone Star RubyConf. Uh, had some fajitas with him, I think, at one point in time. <laughs> and he's a cool dude, man. I mean, I'm really proud of what you guys have done, not only in, I mean, as a business and, you know, progressing um, you know, business, the business of software, as you guys say, but, you know, just your tenacity for open source and your commitment to the community. I mean, it's, it's on, it's, um, there's not many else out there quite like ThoughtBot and you guys really do an awesome job. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it's, it's really awesome that we've got, uh, Fridays to really be able to do, um, what we call investment, investment days. And that's really where we get to contribute to open source um, or work on one of the products that we're developing internally here. So I think that really helps like push a bunch of stuff out to uh, the open source community and get you know pull requests taken and uh, issues resolved for all of our open source tools. So the entire day of Friday is dedicated to that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean. That's, I mean, we can talk about maybe a bit later on, but that's touching on a subject I want to talk to you about. And I'm hoping you can share some details just around, uh, like, it's been a trend the last few shows of the Change Law. I don't know if you're a listener of the Change Law, but just talking about sustaining open source. And, um, you know, you got a lot of people who really give their heart, blood, and soul to a project. Um, and, you know, not really at the community's intentions, but somehow that person, that maintainer, that leader, kind of gets wound down or get run down. And, um, you know, it's, that's been various topics over the last couple of years, but we've been, um, seeing a trend more and more just talking about sustaining open source. And I know that, um, at the bottom of all of ThoughtBot's, um, open source projects, uh, I'm trying to look up my notes cause it says bourbon. Well, I guess project name entered here. Blah <laughs> is, uh, is maintained and funded by ThoughtBot. And it just goes to show you what you said there with, dedicating entire Fridays to open source. So um, we've kind of gone a little bit of a preamble there, but I don't mind diving a little bit deeper into it. But what does that do for, let's say, your culture as as designers, developers, makers of the web at ThoughtBot? Um, you mean, that kind of commitment. Okay. Um, I mean, it's it's really awesome in... You can feel that that uh, strive inside our office for wanting to contribute back to the community, um, and I, and I think that's why we're getting such great great stuff um, that's coming out of out of uh, Thoughtbot, um, because it's something that like people get to team up on Fridays and really work together to you know produce amazing open source tools and really like improve the community. Um, so I think it's it's. Yeah, it's something that 
you know, it, it transcends, I guess, um, sort of this standard office culture where you just go in and kind of work on your your project every single day because it's, you know, it keeps you new and keeps you fresh to have um, a, a good open source project that you can contribute to on Fridays. And since there's so many different open source tools, you know, you, it's it's not like you're limited to one. You can contribute to a bunch of others. So, right. And for those who may not be too familiar with Thoughtbot, shame on you if you're not. Um, you guys mainly are uh, a Ruby and Rails. Uh, I guess I don't even know if shop really applies to you guys anymore. It's more like, uh, I mean, because you, when you span four to five offices or potentially five offices soon, hopefully, um, you know, I don't know if you're considered software <laughs> a shop, but you guys are mainly on the Ruby Rails stack. Uh, obviously, you do some stuff in JavaScript as well, though, right? Yeah, we do some stuff in JavaScript um, as far as branching into um, Backbone JS. Uh, but we've also started to venture into iOS, and so we've hired on some iOS-specific developers who are phenomenal at what they do. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to take on more clients uh, since we're a uh, consultancy um, that are iOS-specific. Yeah. Let's um, let's talk about Bourbon. Let's talk about SaaS. Um, I can't imagine anyone listening to this show that isn't at least a little familiar with Bourbon. Um, definitely interested and familiar with SAS because I think for a while there we had a drinking contest on the show that every time we said SAS or compass or something like that, it was, uh, it was time to drink. Um, but, and I don't do that anymore, obviously, but nonetheless, um, so for those who may not know SAS bourbon, what is, you know, what's, what is SAS? Yeah. Well, SAS is a preprocessor that, um, sort of, uh, an, uh, level of abstraction on top of CSS. Um, so it allows you to do things that you wouldn't normally otherwise be able to do in CSS, like um, nest declaration blocks, um, do uh, loops, um, if statements, that sort of thing, and compiles all out to standard CSS. And then, and then uh, I guess Bourbon on top of that is... Yeah, so Bourbon on top is of that like, is a... Uh, SAS on crack or SAS on steroids <laughs> or, you know, SAS supercharged. Yeah, you know, I see that, like, Bourbon is something that really is like an API that helps uh, designers and developers to be able to write their CSS faster and better. Um, specifically, it started out mostly with um, specifics for uh, vendor prefix properties for the different browsers, like um, Chrome... Um, Opera, Mozilla, right. uh, Firefox, that sort of thing. And so it was just a wrapper so that it, it made it so that you could write um, just faster code and it would just output what you basically wanted it to for all those specific browsers. So you are like unencumbered by um, the browser bull. I guess even the staticness of CSS itself, right? Because if you can loop through or you know do some programmatic like things in SAS, you can, you know, with one line, I guess, maybe a, a crazy high-powered mix-in and one line of SAS, you can probably, you know, write 100-plus lines of CSS. Yeah, absolutely. I've done some really cool stuff um, with that, like uh, just some really cool for loops that just run through and just generate, like, uh, animations are pretty good for that. So, like, if you want to um, output, um, let's see, like an nth child that, that sort of 
animates uh, or sorry iterates through say 20 children and say add a du- add a duration to every increment uh, child that it increments up to um, so like the first one might get um, animated in at like one second the second one might animate in at uh, two seconds third one at three seconds rather than having to write all those out you can just wrap that into a nice loop in SAS and it you know stays really compact code and it outputs what you're looking for when we talk about bourbon uh, I know that uh, for those listening that are familiar with SAS, there's also uh, maybe even you got introduced to SAS because of Compass. So there's this, there's this, you know, other, I guess, mix-in framework, uh, very similar to Bourbon that kind of was was the, even the inspiration um, for Bourbon. Some know SAS because of Compass. Um, for you, what was it that kind of got you into SAS? What was it that you got you excited to even attempt to do Bourbon? Was it something that, uh, you know, it was a thought bot thing and, and you kind of took it over or where did this come from? Um, well, it initially started when I first joined ThoughtBot. They, uh, they were using SAS on other projects and uh, each of the designers that we had here, you know, we, um, the, like the way we structure our projects is that um, each project gets one designer and there might be multiple projects going on at the same time at the company. But the problem with um, that I that I ran into was that I would write mix-ins in SAS to do something like at the time generate a border radius um, for all the different um, browsers, and you know I might call it border radius. Um, someone else, another designer, might call it rounded corners that, right. that mix-in, and so it became this is huge pain to to jump on different projects and have consistent language um, to. Um, when you're writing the SAS to, you know, to, to call those different mix-ins. And so I, I was like, this needs to be fixed. And so I released a, a gem with the help of uh, ThoughtBot um, that basically took all those things that we were writing and using across all of our projects and wrapped it up into um, one gem called Bourbon. And so then we started using that. And, you know, we had done um, an exploration in Compass, taking a look at that. Um, but... Unfortunately, you know, I think like it's it's an awesome project and um, the stuff that Chris has done with it is just phenomenal where he, you know, has built it to where it is to this to this point. Uh, But I know when I first first tried using it, I ran into a ton of issues just trying to get it installed. Um, There was like a configuration file that I just kind of didn't want to have to deal with. Um, It was it was kind of wrapped up in with uh, blueprint at the same time. And so it just felt like this big sort of cumbersome thing that I was throwing into my like nice, fresh, clean, lean project um, that I was just getting started. And it just it felt like it just did way too much than, than what I wanted it to do. And so I wanted something, I desired something just slim and just really easy, something that I could totally understand and um, took, you know, took the um, kind of was opinionated in a way. And said like these are what these are the defaults that you're going to want when you start this projects. So um, take it and run with it. Yeah, this um, so Bourbon was originally, uh, at least from what I understand, was originally championed by Chad Mazzola, right? And that was originally called SAS Mixins. Uh, I mean, you know, I think that like um, we were all sort of at the same time had our own uh, mixin libraries that we were using. And so I think it was under his like repo or something we were contributing into it. But then, um, you know, I think, 
Yeah, I think it was just sort of under his repo that we sort of started and transferred it over to the Thoughtbot repo. But um, yeah, I mean, his his uh, contribution to it were, were pretty huge. Like he did the um, button mix-in, which is basically generates, you know, with one line of code, you can generate an entire, um, I don't know, probably like 50 line uh, button, you know, like super quick. So it's, it's easy wow. for like prototyping and stuff. So I guess on that note, then when we think about um, not only SaaS, but when we think about what Bourbon provides to someone who's using SaaS to write their CSS, I know this is a lot of inceptions potentially here for some of the listeners if you're not if you're just catching up but you know what is the aim what is the purpose of bourbon i know you said a unified api but and i know you even said the the button example there can you give another example of how you know what it makes what makes sense to put something into bourbon what what gives it the ability to be part of the part of the library yeah um so there's sort of these principles that i have defined uh kind of loosely about you know what belongs in bourbon and what bourbon is and what it should be um and you know i think that it should be you know everything contained in bourbon should be as close to this uh, actual css spec syntax as possible um so when you're calling um when you create a mix in for something like uh, a linear gradient you know we want to call it we've got a like the way you define it in CSS, you'd do you'd use the um, background image property, and then your value you'd pass a linear gradient, and then your colors. And so we've got this in Bourbon. We've got this um, uh, background image mixin, and that calls the linear gradient function, and in there you pass your colors. Um, same with something like uh, transition mixin in CSS. You traditionally have a transition um, value, and then you'd pass the um, arguments to it. Same thing with bourbon. We want to call that uh, same transition mix-in. Um, and so another thing that I see, um, I want it to be pure SaaS. So bourbon is a completely pure SaaS library. And what that means is that you can um, take bourbon, the project directory, and you can dump it into um, any SaaS project, and it's going to work um, without any hitch. So it's not tied into Ruby, which something like Compass is tied to Ruby because um, it has all these external functions and um, directives that uh, use Ruby um, to compile, to like output the CSS. So rather than just using straight SAS, it makes it a little bit less, I, I guess, um, I guess fluid to, to not have any issues. I mean, I have to say myself, I've been using Bourbon as well as need on a on a project recently, but uh, sadly I haven't gotten deep enough into the design yet of that project to really appreciate and enjoy the things about bourbon. So that's was perfect for this call, just to kind of get the the lay of the land from the maker himself. But uh, what I did notice was that there was no issues. Um, it's a Rails project, asset pipeline, the whole deal, and, and there's been issues in the past which I haven't been f uh, closely following. So if these issues are non issues now, then I apologize, but. You know, there had been in the past issues with getting Compass going with Asset Pipeline. They were trying to do some of the same things and different stuff like that. But what I noticed with Bourbon was that, you know, your your readme install directions were simple. You know, just add the gem, uh, bundle install, and pretty much good to go. No yep. issues with getting started at all. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about having a mix-in library is that it's just pure SaaS. So, like, anywhere SaaS works, Bourbon's ready to go. And so it makes it platform agnostic as well. So like for something like, um, 
So the creator of SAS, uh, Hampton Catlin. Yeah. So he um, and uh, Aaron uh, Lung just created um, this recent project called SAS C. Have you heard about this? I sure have, yeah. Okay. So Sassy is basically um, a lib SAS wrapper uh, that compiles um, like SAS using C++. Um, and so this is good for, for people who either don't have Ruby or just want to use um, like SAS on a C++ project. Um, and so you can, you can install that and optionally install your uh, uh, or compile your, your um, SAS files using the SASC library. But it's cool that like you can take Bourbon and you don't have to, it's not like you have to port it because things are written in a, you know, a, a language like Ruby. It's like it's just anywhere SAS works, so does Bourbon. Yeah, I never really thought about that. I mean, I guess that was one of the original things because if we rewind back a bit, the change has been around for a while. We've been around since 2009, and I, and I was pretty excited about um, this project. And I think I even wrote a, like a pretty lengthy article on it. I'll put it in the show notes back, looks like July 7th of 2011. It was like a couple of days after you guys first released this. And it was pretty lengthy about you know what you guys are doing and what's up with it. But at the time, I really didn't quite capture the the necessity, I guess, or the, this being a feature, I guess, of bourbon that no matter where SAS works, it works. Mm-hmm. I, I guess because I was, I was so tied to, um, what compass had done. I was really excited about some other things it was doing. I think even things that Bauer, um, now does Twitter's Bauer. Are you familiar with that? It's kind of like a, uh, a package manager for the web in general? Uh, sort of. I've kind of briefly checked it out. Kind of like cargo culting HTML, CSS, and JavaScript around and being able to easily put it into a project. In this case, in Bauer's case, it's, you know, Git powered, so it's super fo- powerful just to point it at a repo um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, suck it into your project and whichever way a bit. I was kind of excited about these other features that Compass had, and I feel like um, Compass was really great for a lot of things. But uh, but this one downfall of kind of like having to have Ruby and that's kind of the starting issue for a lot of people using SAS. So I guess as a designer, when you talk to other designers that, you know, they're like, you know, hey, Phil, I want to get into what you're doing more or, you know, how do I get started here? Like one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, how do I use SAS? How do I use that in general? How do I get set up? And um, just it doesn't really help. You know, Bourbon doesn't really help getting started with SAS easier, but it makes it a lot easier to get involved with a mix-in library because of its focus on being SAS purists. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think there's, you know, people have come out with, um, like, GUI wrappers right. that compile SAS. Um, some of the big names are uh, CodeKit, uh, Hammer for Mac. Yeah. Um, so it's been, like... Those like, are pretty cool projects, too, for anybody out there listening. Those Hammer, I just recently checked out... I've known about CodeKit for a while, and there's one other one, I think, that is on your list of ones you support. I can't recall the name of it, though. Uh, there is, and that one is um, Live Reload. Live Reload, yes, of course, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so those are great, and Bourbon is is uh, integrated into all those projects. But, you know, it's, it was easy for me to work with the developers um, to get that implemented because it's not like there was any executables that needed to be run because it, you know, they all compile SAS. So right. they just were able to throw bourbon really in there and it was able to, it was good to go. So 
this might be a, a somewhat of a flame war of a topic, but I'm just kind of curious. Um, you've been using SAS long enough to know that there's been two different syntaxes. I'm just curious <laughs> for those who are still kind of hanging out in the SAS, S-A-S-S world, and not the S-C-S-S world. And I'm not even sure if you call it sassy CSS or S-C-S-S. And next thing you know, you're tongue twisting and nobody knows what you're talking <laughs> about. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on just that uh, SAS versus S-C-S-S? Um, you know, what do you say to people when they're like, oh, I'm still using the old way? Yeah. Um, so we use uh, the S-C-S-S syntax. And so that's the more verbose um, curly brackets, all that kind of thing. Um, so I was recently, recently talking to, um, Rita Lambden, who's a designer here at ThoughtBot, and he came up with this, uh, great idea of trying to use the SAS syntax for, um, working on things like Neat or Bourbon. Um, Neat is our grid framework that sort of ties in with Bourbon. Um, so, so when we work on client projects, we're writing actual CSS that like outputs, I think that's where SCSS really shines is because then you get, you know, the, the traditional um, uh, logical uh, hierarchy of things using the curly brackets and um, the colons and all that sort of thing. But when it comes to when you're actually doing like what I would call programming in SAS, I think that's where um, S, uh, SAS can actually really be useful. So if you think of something like, um, if you think of in comparison of CoffeeScript to JavaScript, right? I love CoffeeScript because it just takes away a lot of that like pain of, um, you know, opening, closing curly brackets and all that. So I would sort of put it in, in those, in that sort of perspective. Um, but it, I will say that I actually haven't tried to use uh, SAS uh, in Bourbon yet. But I think that's something that I would love to try in the future and see if that actually works out as we've sort of hypothesized. So what you're saying is, is you kind of got one little toe into the proverbial SAS pool. Yeah, exactly. I was I'm surprised to hear that, honestly. I thought you would be a lot more pro SCSS. Not to, not to say that you're not, but just I kind of expected this... Uh, um, you know, kind of stern opinion. Well, I mean, like I, I think if I'm writing CSS, that's going to output, um, you know, just like your CSS would, I think SCSS, I prefer to use that, but in the same way that I love CoffeeScript, I could, and, and if you look at, um, oh God, in bourbon, there's like the linear gradient mix in. There's some mix ins that are just so insanely huge. Right. Kind of hard to like, follow. It's so hard to follow. And so I could totally imagine myself writing using SAS to just basically, you know, do all the logic and all that kind of stuff in a much more concise and clear manner. I'm I'm going to your source code now to pull that up because you're yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, in this case, I can see, yeah, I, and I think I've done this too in, in my past where I've kind of teetered on the line of, and you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I mean, I think that people talk about this quite a bit and it's been discussed on the SAS way. It's been discussed on other blogs and I, I don't want to bring up the can of worms again. This is not the intention. I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on, um, you know, for those who are still hanging out in what might be considered the old world. Because if you talk to Hampton, you know, he's not really... He's not really for, if I recall correctly, 
sorry, Hampton, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he's kind of against the older SAS way and kind of focusing on one syntax. And that way the community isn't fractured and there's not two ways to do things and, you know, makes it a little mm-hmm. easier to, you know, provide long-term support and so on and so forth. Right. Do you, are they like planning on killing the old no, syntax? No, no. As uh, Nathan, Nathan Weisenbaum, one of the, uh, he took over the maintaining of SAS when Hampton, um, I think when Hampton went to Wikipedia and had less time to be involved, I'm pretty sure that uh, Nathan took over. Chris kind of co-piloted with Nathan, and they've committed to not deprecating the old syntax. And I know it's here here to say, yeah. But I just know that there's differing opinions. You know, Nathan is the uh, done a fantastic job with SAS and has done a great job leading it, maintaining it, and and progressing over the years. But you know, the inventor. Uh, Hampton and him have differing opinions from what I understand on some things. And that's going to happen. Like creative developers. I mean, you kidding me? And you're going to have some <laughs> differing opinions. It's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see what, uh, to hear what uh, Rita Lambden says, because he's working on neat and his, one of his goals for launching neat 2.0 was to actually convert neat to use entirely the uh, S uh, S A S S syntax. So, I don't know. I'd like to try it out too and, and see kind of what the pros and cons are. Cause admittedly, I haven't really used that syntax. Um, I've just been sticking to SCSS for a while. And so you mentioned the linear gradient, uh, which is if you're looking at the, by any chance, if you're listening to this live or, um, or on the podcast feed, you can go to uh, github.com slash thoughtbot slash bourbon, uh, dive into the asset style sheet, CSS three folder. There's a linear gradients, or sorry, a linear gradient uh, partial there that is, you know, quite programmatic too. I mean, so we're coming from the world, you know, we, we open up the call by saying that you're, um, you know, a designer primarily, but you're also kind of getting into hacking and stuff like that. And you have been over the past years and why wouldn't you, your work at ThoughtBot? So you, you definitely have to put <laughs> your hacker hat on at some point yep. um, to, to truly thrive there and, and do, and have fun too. Right. But, yep. um, one thing that for me with SAS, whenever I started to to do a lot more with it. So if you're coming from the CSS world where it's static, you know, what you type is what you get basically. And then you come to the SAS world, whether regardless of syntax, it, the functions are all still the same. You still have all, access to all the same SAS functions and APIs and, you know, different, uh, different abilities. Uh, but one thing was pretty cool was like, you know, you can start to use variables, right? And you can start to do um, things like returning values. Like, for example, in line uh, line 10 of this particular file we're talking about, you have type of in there, right? And you can kind of determine what you pass into it as an argument. What comes back, you can determine if it's a list or if it's a color, or if it's a color with pixels. You know, all these different things is like pretty cool. So all that to say is the... Uh, is that it seems like, you know, if you get into SAS and you really kind of dig in and really have fun with it, that you can learn, if you're not a programmer, you can kind of learn some of the programming basics by by using it and, you know, enjoying it. Yeah. That's one thing where, you know, I started, uh, you know, working on Bourbon. I don't think I realized the, like, impact that it would have on my, I guess, the outcome of, like, hacking on this and, just how much I learned and what that translated into my learning of programming. Um, Just deep diving right into the SAS documentation and, you know, learning about interpolation and type of and um, nth and just all these different things and creating different functions. Um, It just really like gave me a much 
better understanding of these basics of programming. Um, and what that turned into is now I've started to uh, learn CoffeeScript and, and learn CoffeeScript pretty well. Um, and so now, you know, I'm kind of working on hacking on my own side project right now that's completely um, written in CoffeeScript. It's actually using Meteor.js, which I know you were talking to uh, Sacha Grief yeah. just a few weeks ago um, about. And, you know, I absolutely love Meteor, but like just from the past like two years, two years? Yeah, maybe two years working on Bourbon, it's like, I think helped me grow to the point where I can work entirely on a media project because of like the basics that I've learned from SAS. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, conditionals, I mean, that's like the, you know, programming 101 is if this, then, you know, those, those types of things and confirming if a value is true or false or all these different things. I mean, that's, that's pretty wild. And one of the, I think one of not so much the most complex mixing inside of bourbon to kind of key off of some of this conversation, but um, one of them is the uh, is the add-on for position, and mm. I mean, like even that one there. It's of, I mean, if you think about position in CSS, it's it's not a really complex, um, you know, property and value. It's it's pretty cut and dry, right? It's either position relative, absolute, fixed, and you've got some you know places it can be, for example, on the page and whatnot. But this particular mix-in in SAS, well, the SES SES syntax is a uh, is 42 lines. I mean, it's like you said earlier that um, the SCSS syntax kind of makes it a bit more verbose, but it's a little easier to read in this case. But nonetheless, I mean, you have a pretty simple thing in CSS to do, but you've got this 42 line mix in that uses type of and, you know, uses the list and, you know, you're confirming if if uh, what you passed into position, if it's a list or not, and, and you know, kind of uh, returning the thing way early on and you're doing things with top and nth and that's a really pretty neat thing. Like, so if you're just a CSS, uh, hacker and you're doing it really well uh, and you're picking up SAS and you're kind of getting into it, this is a particularly cool mix in, I would say to, to like learn all the different things that are in SAS that happen in this mix in. Yeah. I would say one of the, like the, probably the most advanced mix-in is probably the uh, background and background image mix-in because those have to take the linear gradient and radial gradient functions. But with recent changes that happened to um, the spec of linear and radial gradients, you'll know that the position changed. Yeah. So like if you used to call, uh, let's, if you used to call top, comma, um, red, comma, orange... That would be a, a gradient that went from the top to the bottom, um, vertically red to orange. But then in, in the spec just recently changed to you have to add two to the position. So now two top, uh, red, orange. And they also flipped the way the browser renders that or, or something. There was something a little uh, wishy-washy about that. So I think, I think that was the case where they flipped the actual gradient or something. Um, and so I had to figure out in order to, in order to keep backwards compatibility, I had to figure out the position. I had to flip the position for the like new browser. Um, and still like when you, when you give a gradient, you can also give it color stops. Um, so there's actually a lot going on in something like the uh, background image mix in where I call external functions. And so on line 31, you'll see gradient position parser. Well, that's going to parse the actu actual position to be, you know, is it top, 
Is it bottom? If it is top, flip it to bottom. Um, and then things like render gradients. And so that's passing in all those things and passing in the vendors. And basically, there, it's like all these different files that it's sort of passing these arguments to and it's returning back. And it's just basically compiling the like gradients. And I, you know, it's just like, it's kind of crazy to see this like uh, programming in SAS because you wouldn't really expect like all the, like this to be possible to be able to do this in something that's not a programming language. Right. It's, you know, your mention too of the, of the spec changing and how you mentioned earlier, you know, what bourbon is to SAS basically is this common API to, you know, CSS that you're going to actually end up not having to write because, it, you know, SAS is basically outputting it for you. But, you know, what you just mentioned there, though, is a really good reason to use SAS and specifically use uh, Bourbon or even Compass in this case, you know, to to not have to go back. And I mean, imagine if you had to go back to all your projects and, you know, update that thing. But if all you had to do was install the latest version of Bourbon, keep calling the same the same, you know, the function with the same amount of arguments or whatever, and somehow with inside of Bourbon, inside those functions, you handle that for them. I mean, you kind of maintain forward compatibility with a little bit, uh, a little bit less work, and I guess a lot more time on your hands. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the the benefits of something like Bourbon is when you you sort of like outsource your um, vendor prefixes and stuff. It's like, you know, people you no longer have to worry about you know, keeping that code up to date when specs change, because I'm going to take care of that for you. <laughs> you know, like all you have to do is update bourbon and it's just, you know, as it should, it should output the the latest spec and the backwards compatibility as the way that you initially put it in maybe a year ago. Yeah. Um, I guess since we're keying off this a little bit further, what, what are some of the biggest things? I mean, I, we touched on a little bit, but I'm kind of curious to a more specific answer. But what are some of the biggest things you've learned with creating as well as maintaining bourbon? Not so much just in, you know, about SAS or CSS, but just kind of in general as a, as a person who makes things on the web. Yeah. Um, I think open source stuff is, and touching upon what we talked about a little bit about earlier, is that it's kind of a pain in the ass to maintain um, just because there's, there's always pull requests, there's always issues, and it's finding time to get around to it. And um, who was it that did that talk? Um, was it Fat? That, that was like yeah. just that sort of um, why do I hate open source? Or right. It was some, some kind of title like that. And you know, after maintaining this for two years, it's it's a lot of work, but it's like the rewards are beneficial to have a project that like, like when I install bourbon on a new project, I'm like, this is just the way that it should work. Like, I'm so happy that yeah. I created this and that I don't have to worry about all this other extraneous stuff that traditionally we did have to handle a few years ago. Um, so, I mean, it's nice. And, and plus like having the community be able to contribute to it and make suggestions and bring up issues. It's, it's you know extremely helpful because it might they might not be issues that I would run across. So, so it's awesome to have the community there and helping. But it's also like oh man, like there's just so much going on that sometimes I don't have time to get to the pull requests or issues as soon as I would like to. So you touched on sustaining open source there. I mean that's not exactly what you said, but it's this topic that's kind of like I said 
trending on the changelog at least. And we've definitely talked about, I think every show since we've relaunched the show, um, I don't know if you know, but we had this little hiatus tail into last year. I relaunched the blog in January and relaunched the show, I believe, in April, I think it was. Um, We had this little hiatus, so we we definitely are back. But nonetheless. Yeah. um, um, It's good to have you back. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we've really enjoyed doing this show, and, you know, it's fun having these kinds of conversations with you and and others to – I mean, because I think that people think this, and maybe other podcasts cover this. I don't know, but – um, it, it's nice to hear the benefits and rewards uh, of open source, even though, like you said, like a better terms, pain in the ass it can be sometimes, you know? Yeah. I always love the times when people like tweet at me or, you know, tweet like, oh, I'm like, love bourbon, just discovered it. It's just helped my process so much. Those are like inspirational and, and things that sort of keep me going on this project is to hear people's successes with it and when people use it on their you know new projects like it feels good it feels like this is a valuable um like my time is valuable here and people are are getting use out of it so cool it's yeah uh, that, so it, it's good neat. to work on so if you're listening to this live or on the podcast <laughs> at this very moment go to twitter tweet at phil Pierre. um we'll have it in the show notes if you can't spell it but uh um, I can spell it, no, no problem. But uh, <laughs> tweeted him, and, and if you're using bourbon and you love it, tell him right away because that's going to give him such motivation. So, <laughs> um, but so talking on sustaining open source, uh, it says at the bottom bourbon is maintained and funded by Thoughtbot Inc. We talked about uh, you know Thoughtbot Fridays, Open Source Fridays, and the fact that you guys are committing to that. Um, it, I guess. What do you think is happening in helping sustain open source? So your your company helps um, helps you by paying for your time. What do you think are other creative ways that you see open source being sustained? Since you're familiar with Fat and his conversation around how why he hates open source or whatever his topic was, I can't recall the title either. But pretty cool, yeah. pretty cool talk. I you know I think a lot of these things are coming out of um, projects that people like products that people are working on. So even if someone's company doesn't pay them to work on open source, it's like if you are working on a product at your company and you find something that you can extract out, something that other people use, I think that's where we can, you know, that's where a lot of these open source tools are coming from these days and can be maintained because as long as you keep sort of updating your project and, you know, keep developing whatever open source tool it is that you've created, I think that's where we can see a lot of great stuff um, come into the open source community. Um, and I see, um, it looks, I think I saw recently that, uh, Chris Epstein got a job at LinkedIn Yeah, yeah. and Good he's going to be working on uh SAS like entirely. I don't mean to catch up with him cause I've, I've kind of been in my own little hole, but, and considering, you know, uh, I run the change log, I should be a bit more up to date on some of these things, but that's, yep. I, I knew he went to LinkedIn, but I didn't know that they were giving him freedom to do a lot more SAS and compass. Yeah, I think it's a lot of, I think he's going to be working on SAS uh, entirely. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I think that's just phenomenal because, you know, SAS is sort of like this uh, amazing tool that the industry is adopting and continues to adopt. And it's just really, I think, changing the way that we, we write CSS and architect our projects and share code. It's really phenomenal. So kudos to him for for uh for for keeping up on top of SAS. And he is he is such the right person to I mean, 
together with Nathan, of course. But, I mean, Chris is so smart. I mean, uh, talk circles around me when it comes to <laughs> just CSS architectures. You know, not, not SAS itself because, I mean, that's a means to an end. I mean, it's a good means to an end, obviously. But at the end of the day, SAS compiles down to CSS. So it's not like anybody who's got their their SAS jerk hat on, for example. Like I, I know uh, on the SAS way, uh, a good friend of mine um, – Canary Mason is what he used to be on um, on Twitter, but I think now he goes by coding designer. Um, his name's Mason. He wrote a blog post about being a saster because he's just so excited about SAS and he wants to tell everybody <laughs> about SAS, right? It's like you know this thing has changed my life, and he's like you know I just realized I was a saster. It's a talk. Uh, it's a little topic on there, but you know Chris is. Um, you know we get so passionate about it, but Chris is is uh, super smart. Uh, when it comes to all this stuff, but at the end, like I said, it, in the end of the day, it does just compile down the CSS. So we're still writing and still touting the awesomeness of CSS. We're just making it a little easier to get there faster. And like you said earlier, with a, a more consistent API to project from project to project and getting started a lot easier. Like like I said earlier, with my project, it was so easy to get uh, uh, to get Bourbon in place. It was just way too easy, you know. I mean, maybe not way yeah. too easy, but definitely good. Yep. Uh, let's talk about, uh, if you don't mind, I want to talk about one more thing around what you've done in uh, in Bourbon that may go a little unnoticed, but it's kind of neat, at least from what I saw of it, was that uh, not only did you provide this, um, you know, this SAS mixing library called Bourbon, but if you install it as a as a Ruby gem and not just move the SAS into your project, um, you kind of get access to uh, these command line tools, and they're powered by Thor, and you know, kind of diving it a bit more to open source and just being, you know, coming from the design side to the dev- developer side and kind of straddling that, straddling that line a bit more. I thought it was pretty neat how you guys used Thor. I guess it's pretty rudimentary to do it, but uh, for, you know, other hackers, but it's really cool how you can like do, you know, bourbon install and it runs a, a Thor script. And for those who don't know about Thor, um, Yehuda Katz wrote this thing, I guess, kind of accidentally. Um, and then and then it kind of became this thing. And I, I've loved Thor. You've probably heard Wynn said on past shows, if you're a longtime listener of the changelog, that you know I was always stoked by Thor. I thought it was pretty cool. It's like it's like Rake, uh, but it's not Rake. It's Thor. <laughs> so it's straight Ruby, but you're doing some really cool copying and stuff, and you're also providing uh, some command line there. What what part did you play? And like I guess just introducing that to Bourbon. Uh, the part I think I played was. Um, there was a thorn in my side of I have to copy and paste this project to every single this you know this folder to every single project that I want. Developers help, <laughs> and so that's when Mike Burns really came to my rescue, and uh, you know I sort of said this is what I want out of Bourbon. This is what I want it to do to make it easy so that you can update Bourbon and install it really easy from the command line. And Mike Burns, the rescue, comes out and. Uh, you know, writes Thor and, or, you know, the, the script that, that runs the Thor. So. Yeah. The file we're mentioning, uh, he's talking about, so Mike Burns, I think I actually met Mike, uh, when I met Chad at, uh, Lone Star RubyConf a couple years ago, but, uh, the file, it might be a little bit melodramatic to, or not melodramatic, but just kind of verbose to mention the file name, but I'll put it in the show notes. But if you go into the lib folder inside of the bourbon folder in that folder, there's a file called generator and inside there you open up a class to Thor and it's just really like if you want to learn uh, like a really simple but very useful way to use Thor, just file copying and stuff like that is this is a really neat 
way to make your own command line, for lack of a better term. So just hop on into Terminal and do your own thing. And in this case, you know, everything begins with Bourbon because that's the module, that's the Thor module that you're you're making. But I just thought this is such a neat addition to it because you're right. If you're in a, uh, you know, if you're in a non-Rails project or whatever, then like you had said, you have to like go and copy and paste. And not only that, but like you can even do Bourbon Update, which pulls back from the gem if you if you've updated the gem and pulls that new Bourbon uh, style sheets down into your project. It's just I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is great. You know, I've got to give all the credit to the developers because I just stated my problem and they came <laughs> to the with rescue. a solution. So yeah, to the rescue. Um, you know, let's let's maybe. Maybe uh, maybe one feature request on that would be, uh, or, or a question, maybe you don't know this answer, but uh, we talked about it uh, a little earlier when we had our sound check, but I'm curious, with all the awesome command line tools you shipped with that as as powered by Thor, but why no Bourbon Watch? In your readme and documentation and stuff, you still are suggesting people to use SAS Watch. Yeah. Well, in honesty, there's really no need for a Bourbon Watch um, when Bourbon was released initially, we did have one dependency on a Ruby file, and that's where um, a Bourbon watch would have really come in handy because, you know, you had to actually, when you pass a SAS watch, you had to pass, um, pass a flag which called that particular Ruby file. So that was kind of a pain, but now that we've done away with that Ruby file and it's all complete, um, purely SAS, really, you you know, you just run SAS watch and then point it to your your uh, directory where your SAS files are, and it just runs. So really the the Bourbon, if we did create a Bourbon watch, it would just be a wrapper for SAS watch. <laughs> so in honesty, it's it's not uh, that important. I think, you know, it's I don't want to create another level of abstraction for using these tools when there's already so much going on that I think a SAS watch just gives you a better understanding of the tools you're using. Gotcha. Yeah, I figured that might have been the reason. I was thinking maybe instead of Bourbon Watch, it could be like Bourbon Mix or something on this uh, on this name. You know, this Bourbon, and as you mentioned earlier, Neat is is part of the ecosystem too. So I, we got through this entire show so far without even mentioning how cool the name is, and maybe even a backstory on where the name came from. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's the backstory on Bourbon? I think it was. Um, I mean, I love bourbon, so just drinking it is is amazing on the palate. So I think that's where uh, one of the um, strong um, ties for the name came from. The other was I think we just were looking for something that sort of um, tied into the fact that it's we wanted to make like the philosophy behind bourbon, which is a pure SaaS library, um, something that was close to the actual CSS syntax. And so initially, I think I had proposed uh, bourbon vanilla because bourbon vanilla um, is a type of vanilla that's actually the most popular type of uh, vanilla out there uh, that's sold in the market. So initially it was that. And then we were just like, well, let's just call it bourbon because we love bourbon and it just has a great ring to it. And plus, I mean, let's face it, ThoughtBot is not... um bad at naming things i mean everything from like suspenders to clearance yeah cocaine i thought that was actually kind of comical uh although i'm not a fan of cocaine but it was pretty cool yeah you think that we're just a bunch of like druggies over here or something but yeah well it's just a it's a cool 
I like how in the in the parentheses it says uh, command lines. You know, for doing, <laughs> yeah, this is. I'll put that in the show notes too. So those listening, if you haven't seen Cocaine yet, uh, not that Cocaine, Bur- uh, <laughs> Thoughtbots Cocaine, check out the show notes. We'll put it in there. It'll be uh, this is episode ninety three. So if you're listening, you can go to five by five TV slash changelog slash ninety three. If you're listening on the podcast, it'll it'll already be live. Um, yeah, I mean. So what's what's next for the bourbon ecosystem? So you've got neat, you've got bourbon itself. Are you going to keep pushing the boundaries? What's next? Yeah. So well, we recently came out with neat, um, which Rita Lambden has been doing an amazing job on, uh, which is our grid framework. That's a semantic grid framework that uh, is for building fluid grids, extraordinarily easy, and doing it all um, in. Your, your SAS as opposed to uh, polluting your um, HTML with classes and stuff. Um, so that's just a phenomenal library and tons of praise on that. Um, we're sort of, we, I'm not sure if we officially launched it yet, but I wanted to this summer when we sort of do our company retreat is get um, the designers together to really uh, launch um, this thing we're, call, we're calling Bitters. Um, I think it might be public somewhere on our uh, Thoughtbot uh, repo. Yeah, it's on or, your GitHub for sure. Yeah, I've so I think it. yeah, so that's really basically a starting point that we're using on all of our projects now, uh, which gives you um, basic variables, basic form styling, things that really you can you know you can just copy the folder right in, and it sort of does these things that you, uh, you know, normally set up on every single project. So it saves time and effort. Um, that's meant and, for prototyping, right? That's not meant to be the end all starting point for your styles. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that we want you to put into your project and change. So not necessarily like a gem, you wouldn't be able to change those. You'd, you'd have those variables set right. by default. Like these, we want you to actually just be changing. So yeah, so it's usually it's start with like when you start a project from scratch, throw that in there and change and modify those as your project evolves. And I think that that turns into a good set for a final project. So just for those who are thinking boilerplates, frameworks, whatever you want to call them, this isn't meant to be like a Twitter bootstrap or a Zurb Foundation. It's meant to. It's meant to be like a decent starting point for default prototyping, but you're encouraged to change them to make it your own and be a good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had sort of did some um, prototyping on this thing called UI Smash. Um, maybe I'm overstepping my boundaries here, but we were exploring something that would be sort of like um, UI components that you could use in um, your project. So something like a drop down mix in where you could. Just call that, and you'd have a simple drop-down, um, the CSS generated anyways, and you just pair that with some HTML. Um, so there was, I'm not exactly sure what happens that happened to that library. I think we're still developing it. And I, like I said, when we do the company retreat, I think we need to hash this out and figure out, is this something we want to continue to push forward? Um, because, it, you know, I still use the components. I copy them into my new projects, and they're just phenomenal, like, starting points to get modules just built extraordinarily fast and easy. Well, uh, so bourbon, neat, and bitters, and potentially something else. Or is that something else, bitters? Um, I think bitters we've extracted out, and 
bitters is its own thing now. Gotcha. So the other thing would be UI smash. Nice. Or s- smash, so, yeah. Smash. I guess that stems from giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Well, so if you... Um, yeah, I think so. You guys are too um, cool, man, honestly. <laughs> yeah. We've got the naming down on some on some cool things. I like that uh, bourbon is sort of turning into um, shooting off into like you can uh, like neat, right? The name of neat is you can ask for, you know, your bourbon neat your, or whiskey neat, which is just simply yeah. whiskey in a glass. Um, and then bitters is an ingredient that they add to if you get like a um, uh, whiskey smash, they'll add bitters to that to give it some flavor. Um, and so I think smash really comes from like, you can get a whiskey smash or like a temple oh, wow. smash, I think is a popular drink. So it's all cool, cool plays on drinks. <laughs> that's no, that's super neat. I mean, I think it's, I mean, that's what makes, I think, uh, Wynn has said this a ton of times when he hosted the show, uh, back in the day, but, uh, we'd give cool points, you know, pluses to projects we'd feature on the change law because of their read me. I, I think I can't recall what it was, but somebody somehow got the DeLorean in there. And if you want to get wins <laughs> interest, man, do an eighties throwback, um, and put it in your read me somehow. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, just speaking of win and, and some things he is doing recently, um, you know, GitHub just re- released their Octo kit, um, both their C library as well as their Ruby wrapper, uh, for their API. And early, you know, early in the development of Octokid, it was actually called Octopussy because, and it wasn't <laughs> meant to be dirty. I mean, not mm-hmm. not one little bit. It was a throwback to James Bond and, you know, that Octopussy from way back when. And it was also, uh. you know, you had, uh, you know, GitHub has, you know, the, the Octo thing, you know, so it's got like legs. I mean, so that was Wynn's humor, but nobody got it, right? Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, that's not such a good name. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I forget who it was that helped rename it to Octokid, but... Uh, at first, I was like, "What? That's a cool name!" And then, like, <laughs> on the uh, you know, in the read me was this old James Bond poster with Octopussy and all that good stuff. And it, I think in the end, you know, it just probably wasn't the best name. Yeah. But it was meant. It was no harm, no foul, right? It wasn't meant to be derogatory or you know, dirty or crass. It's just just humor. And yeah. So that was kind of cool. But uh, anyways. Um. So I want to ask you. There's a couple more questions I want to ask you before we tail off the show, but. Uh, specifically because you've kind of, uh, you kind of came, from what I understand, you came into ThoughtBot more on the designer side of the, of the line. And now you kind of straddle, if not totally stand across both designer and developer, uh, pretty easily nowadays. Is that about right? Uh, well, I would say that's partially right. Um, I don't really know Ruby, so you know, since we are Ruby on Rails shop, I have no experience really writing much Ruby, so I can't really jump in um, that sort of back-end development stuff. But if we're talking front-end stuff and writing JavaScript, uh, CoffeeScript, that's more what where I sort of straddle the line of, like, front-end developer slash designer. Gotcha. Uh, but, but, you know, our role at Thought, my role at ThoughtBot as a designer is to sort of be that. Like, I... You know, I do write code as well as design versus other, you know, agencies are like designer role would just be doing like Photoshop mockups and doing design. And then you'd have your front end development role, which they do front end development. So sort of combining a one, but I think it makes for better design, uh, better interaction design. And just the whole process, I think is much more fluid and you get better results when you sort of have a designer who can do front end development. 
So I guess on that note then, what would some suggestions be from you to those out there who are trying to better straddle that line, trying to get to go from their designer side to teetering on the developer side a bit more, maybe not learning Ruby, but, you know, learning more about JavaScript, CoffeeScript, um, and, you know, kind of diving a little bit more into development. What kind of suggestions could you give to those that are listening to the show? Yeah, I'd say, um, I mean, for me, my, uh, my knowledge about programming sort of extended from being in SAS and trying to really use the features that SAS has. So I'd say explore SAS and those advanced features and try and look at your code and, and uh, write that um, some more advanced um, loops and if statements and that sort of thing where you think they uh, could be useful. Um, and then I would say start a side project. Um, I, I recently started a Meteor.js project and that's just helped me grow so much for, uh, you know, learning JavaScript and CoffeeScript um, and doing it all on my own and asking the developers that I have here any questions that I have. Um, so, I mean, I think side projects, like, I learn by doing. So anytime I've got a cool side project, I'm always learning. So, you know, I just encourage anyone else to pick something up and uh, start doing. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely learn by doing. I that's, um, you know, to, to just key off that a little bit, that's exactly what I'm doing. I, you know, I, I kind of surprised myself recently. I didn't know I knew as much Ruby as I did until I was, like, hanging out at Code School, just <laughs> randomly just watching some of their, some of their stuff. And, uh, and I'm, like, in the Code Challenges, and they're like, uh, refactor this. And I'm like, I refactor it. You know? <laughs> and I'm just messing around, like, just totally not trying to, like, learn or act as if I know Ruby. Because I've always said... And I'm self-deprecating when it comes to this. I'm always like, yeah, I can read Ruby, but I, I can't write it, you know? And I don't know why, but I would give myself less credit than I deserved. Uh, but so anyways, I'm refactoring the code, and I hit return, I'm like, and they're like, congrats, you're right. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and then I go to the next one, and it's, uh, you know, conditional logic or whatever, and it's like, refactor this. And I'm like, all right, I feel a little bit better about this one. I'll try it. And, and I'm like, I'll move to this there, this there. And I'm like, and I hit return, and I have no idea if it's going to be right. And I totally surprised myself and it's right. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, recently I've kind of gotten that same learn by doing stint myself where, you know, people that, that, uh, that maybe want to learn more about programming. I think programming is like super liberating, man. Like you can learn how to build anything if you want it, but some people, they just think like, oh, that's, that's some, you know, super smart nerd. Only nerds can learn that, you know, or only mm -hmm. like super geeks or whatever. Like anybody can learn it. You just kind of put your mind to it and learn by doing. I think you're right on the side projects though, is, is having something super passionate um, that you like and you want to build and just, you know, no holes, no bars, just doing what it takes to try and figure out how to learn to make it and ask somebody. I know we had Avdi Grimm recently on the show. And we, the topic was, uh, you know, pair with me and paired programming and, you know, that whole thing. And, you know, reach out to somebody like, like Phil said, he, he loves to get, uh, you know, mentions, maybe, maybe Phil, you can pair with somebody and give them some <laughs> of some guidance, some assistance. I don't want to hold you to that, but maybe, maybe. we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to give any kind of feedback that, that someone wants on a project they're working on or try and help someone sort of up their game for whatever it is. So totally open to working with the community. So I got a couple rapid fire questions and we'll tail into the final two, uh, two ending, uh, questions we have here that are, 
that are uh, traditional for the change law. But uh, so a couple of rapid fire questions: Hamel or HTML? HTML. Vim or Sublime Text? Definitely Vim. Definitely Vim. So I'm so surprised by that one. I guess maybe Thoughtbot is more pro Vim than Sublime Text. Yeah. Um, well, I, so I would. So all the developers when I joined were using Vim. And I was the first designer to adopt Vim. Nice. Um, at the time, I was using Coda, and I reached this point where Coda wasn't doing. It just didn't have the power I was looking for. It just I was just felt like I was being limited, limited so hard by what Coda's capabilities were that it the only thing that was left to do was really just move to Vim. And since I had all these, you know, Vim nerds in my office, it was like any question I did have, they were right there like helping me with. So yeah, I absolutely love Vim. It's so powerful and I can't imagine going back to any other text editor. Nice. Are there any resources that you use besides I guess your your comrades to learn Vim, right? Are there any like learning resources you really thought were pretty good you could mention? Um, I mean, I think I just really Googled for like the basics of learning Vim, um, how to jump between words, that sort of thing and navigate around is really, probably really important. But I would say there's a lot of, uh, plugins, like there's, uh, SAS syntax plugins, which really help you, um, uh, and like autocomplete ones, which help you just write CSS faster, um, in Vim and, I don't know. I don't really have anything in particular besides uh, Ben Ornstein. <laughs> this guy's a Vim master. Um, he's got some some uh, pod. Uh, I think there's a screencast that he recently released. Um, we've got Learn Prime, which is awesome for any developer that's uh, looking to get better at Ruby. Um, I think that's uh, learn.thoughtbot.com forward slash prime. Um, in that we've got, um, screencasts for Vim. Um, and I think we've got, we definitely have more coming that are in the works right now. So check it out. Yeah. And I guess to, to pay homage to, to Dan Benjamin, the founder of five by five, uh, he'd also, I just was reminded by this whenever you were talking that he actually done, um, a peep code called smash into Vim. And uh, if you're interested, that's a little dated, but I'm sure it's all still the same. Like Vim has changed, uh, not not tons. I mean, it's I mean VI Vim. It's been on Unix systems, and that's kind of one of the pluses too to uh, using Vim too. I know that uh, Win has always been a huge text mode slash Vim um, uh, proponent. I've personally I use Sublime Text. I think it's pretty Sublime. awesome. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it, it works. Everybody has their own taste, though, right? And that's why yeah. I love those rapid-fire questions. So a couple more. Uh, Chrome or Safari? Chrome. Though I wish Chrome had Safari's animation, like smoothness and rendering, because Safari is, like, super smooth. I wish they would, like, just have a baby, right? Like, I like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like you. I like, there's something that I like about Safari and some things I like about Chrome. And, you know, you just can't have both. And then now yeah. that, you know, I was going to ask you a bit about this, but it's, I don't want to go too deep into the show, but maybe we can talk about this in the after dark, but, uh, any thoughts you might have on blink and just the fact that they, you know, they went their own way and what their plans are there. So I know you with, uh, using and doing bourbon, you've kind of got into spec a lot more. So maybe we could talk about that in the after dark though, but next rapid fire is Photoshop or fireworks sketch 
sketch. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but if I were to truly answer that question, I would say fireworks because that's what I used before sketch. Gotcha. And so you recently moved to sketch? Yeah, I recently moved to sketch because I don't do a lot of heavy sort of graphical work. A lot of it is is stuff that sketch can handle that's like vector-based um, web sort of mock-ups. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm using Sketch myself, and only recently did I kind of get perturbed with it with one little interface bug. If you do Command Option 3, it kind of hides the left and right pan- uh, panels to kind of mm. go like a more more full screen. The same concept of being in Photoshop and clicking F, you mm. know, that kind of thing. And then when you bring them back and you kind of move your, your canvas around, the right-hand uh, pane is kind of jacked up. I, I didn't submit mm-hmm. a bug to it, but I'm sure it's easy to fix. But yeah, I, I like Sketch, too. Yeah, they've been doing an awesome job uh, squashing bugs recently. So yeah. I'm sure they'll get that worked out. But I didn't know Command Option 3 did that. I've been like wanting that feature. So. Yeah, I wish there was a way to like go really full screen, but it just takes your current window and just gets rid of the left and right hand uh, mm. panel. Your still top bar is still there. But uh, right. if you're listening to this, developers of Sketch, uh, make something that kind of goes full screen and does that. I kind of like that. I like getting all the interface away. And focusing on the design and, and then kind of being able to toggle back and forth from tools to no tools. I agree with you there. Um, so, yeah, let's let's wrap up then. So we've got um, one thing we like to ask on the show is kind of a call to arms. It's, you know, what areas of bourbon and I guess even this ecosystem of bourbon, so neat, bitters, uh, smash in the future, whatever comes from that. You know, what areas of bourbon, maybe even, you know, just other things you might have in mind, where would you like to see the community kind of help? Uh, step in and kind of help? Is it uh, helping mitigate issues or just, you know, what is it that, that uh, bourbon and what you're working on could really use in the community? Yeah, I think it's definitely issues and pull requests um, because there's some, I've got some pull requests right now that I just don't have a clear answer to. And I don't want to, imp- I don't want to, you know, take the pull request and implement it into bourbon if it's, I don't know, if it just doesn't feel right. So, I think take a look at the pull requests and provide feedback because that's really going to help me get a better understanding of what the community it wants um, and how I can you know get that integrated into bourbon. And same with issues. There's some issues that are sort of outstanding. Um, that would be nice. Um, one particular place um, that's already in bourbon that, that would be nice to get some help with is the button mix-in because... It's a little bit, you know, it could use more button styles and uh, it could use some cleanup too. So that'd be pretty awesome to get someone to, you know, submit a pull request to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll definitely have links to Bourbon, uh, both Bourbon.io as well as um, on GitHub. So uh, if you're listening to this, help. Squash, <laughs> squash some pull requests, uh, or not so much pull requests, but give some feedback to issues. and. Um, yeah, that, that I know how helpful that can be for sure. So yeah. another cool question we'd like to ask, uh, as the tail end usually is, uh, and you can answer either of these, I guess I'm going to ask you two questions technically in one, because just because you're a designer primarily in, and, uh, you know, straddling the line of hacker and, and developer. But so normally the question is who is your programming hero, but I'll ask you both who is your programming hero and who's your design hero. Uh, so I'll start with design hero. Um, recently I've, uh, I think Brett Victor has been doing some amazing stuff. Um, just those, uh, Vimeo videos that he's released about, um, you know, really how like, you know, he, he seems like this interdisciplinary designer that, 
um, really steps into the line of developer, but also understands like so much more. Like you know, he has all these like crazy math equations in these demos that he's showing, and just really shows how like you know, as as a user, you can have get a much better understanding of a system when you can directly input and manipulate that system in like a visual way. So his stuff is just kind of blown, blowing my mind lately. And I think blowing the design industry's mind lately. Wow. Um, and I would also say for design hero, I think drew Wilson, I know you, t- you, you mentioned him earlier. I think he does an awesome job, um, straddling that, that same line of being designer developer. Um, cause he had released, uh, what is it? Spacebox. Spacebox, Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm always really inspired by designers who can actually develop applications and write code as well. So he is definitely on the list of someone I always keep an eye on for projects he releases. Um, Programming dev hero. um, I would say probably everyone who's contributed to SAS. Um, SAS is just you know, my sort of, it feels like it's a good saving grace for CSS. So, you know, that's like Chris, Chris Epstein, uh, Nathan Weizenbaum, all the way, you know, back to Hampton, like just anyone who's had their hands in contributing to SAS. Thank you. That's awesome, man. And speaking of Hampton, um, June 25th, we're actually going to be joined here on the change law, June 25th. Hampton was going to come on this week. Uh, but due to some travel stuff, he wasn't able to to tie it up. So I thought it would kind of be cool to to have you on, Phil. It's kind of a preamble before Hampton, just maybe to tee off our our uh, little SAS fiesta for the next couple of weeks. You know, so we'll have you on this week, obviously, which we're doing, and then not next week, but the week after uh, Hampton will be on the show. So if you're a listener of the Change Law, Phil, you should tune in. Awesome. I met. Uh, I actually met Phil. I also want to give a shout out to one of the coworkers that you work with. Um, Joe Oliveira, he's a uh, he's a super neat dude, man. I met him at um, at LessConf, and I also met Hampton, and super rad dude, both of them. And uh, um, yeah, Joel's does a really good job of representing who you guys are as a community and who you guys are as a, as a team there at ThoughtBot. He does a great job. And then awesome. well, thanks, Adam. Yeah, man. And Hampton is crazy, man. I love Hampton. He's so <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to have him on the show. He's gonna be such a mo- such such fun, but um, yeah, for sure. All right, well that's uh, that's pretty much the show. You know, Phil, I want to thank you for for joining us today, man. It's really fun talking about SaaS, bourbon, neat design, uh, CSS, and everything in between. Sustaining open source. You know, I want to personally thank you for from the rest of the SaaS community for your work on bourbon and your and your support, um, and just kind of being knee deep in the spec sometimes, and kind of you know being in the in the trenches for lack of better terms, man. I mean, it's really awesome. To, to have you on the show, man. Yeah, well, thanks, Adam. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so follow Phil on Twitter. He is uh, Phil LaPierre, full name, uh, L-A-P-I-E-R, if you don't know how to say LaPierre. Uh, this has been episode number 93. I did mention that uh, we'll be joined by Hampton in a couple weeks. We're not sure of who next week's guest is. Andrew, I think he's taking care of that. So next week's guest is got a question mark next to it. If it's you, can't wait to talk to you. Uh, show notes for this show will be available at 5x5.tv slash changelog slash 93. Thanks for tuning in to this show.